Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen Coming of Age Awkward Teenage Phase Edition. Because, oh my God, this might be the most awkward teenage phase movie of the lot, Janine. Was it a little too relatable for you, Morgan? I didn't like it, Janine. I did. <laughs> I liked the movie quite a lot. Um, this movie we're talking about today may be the reason I don't watch too many male coming-of-age movies <laughs> as opposed to your female coming-of-age movies. Because we were all horrifically awkward 14-year-olds at one point, weren't we, in one way or another? Yes, I, I could we feel you were. cringing at certain moments. <laughs> well, we're going to get into it. We're going to we're going to get into it. It's uh, it's going to get fun. It's actually quite unusual, I suppose, for the show in many ways, given the fact that here is a coming of age movie that came out in 2013. We don't tend to talk about too many. Modern teen movies, Janine, when we're talking about our teen movies on no. this show. Typically, I always just run straight to my little era of the 90s um, when I was coming of age. So, um, but yeah, Usually I mean, I, that's been my gap. <laughs> yes. Um, but I mean, I think I kind of designed this whole series just around this one movie because when I saw it, it was just a kind of a really nice surprise. I really loved it as a coming-of-age story, as a movie. Um, Where and... did you see it then? How, how did you see this? Is it Was it just something you were aware of at the time and thought, oh, that sounds interesting? Or is there a further story? Um, I actually saw it in the theaters. I, I think I maybe had seen a trailer, um, and it looked like a good story. Um, and Sam Rockwell, obviously... Um, he's great. Uh, yes. It looked funny. It looked emotional. Um, it was weird kind of seeing Steve Carell as a villain type. And so that kind of piqued my curiosity as well. Yeah, because I suppose at, the, at this time, even in 2013, uh, Steve Carell, when he wasn't playing his usual fairly goofy characters, he was still playing the positive protagonist of a movie yeah you, you know something like crazy stupid love which is a great rom-com as we all know oh yeah but he's he's you know the the nice charming happy not happy i suppose for a great deal of the movie but he's the lead and he's in, in no way villainous no so i yeah i want to say i kind of just maybe stumbled on a trailer of this movie and I just went to the theater and I watched it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, it's definitely one I had been wanting to do on the show to share with you, have you see it for a while. So this was kind of... because the you thought the guy, the lead was me at one point <laughs> in my life? Is this why? I mean, I, I did get a, a, a awkward Morgan sensibility from... Um, this character of Duncan a little bit. Um, but no, just as a good movie, a good story, um, some good performances, um, really heartfelt yeah. story. I wanted you to see it. So I, that's, this is pretty much the reason why I chose coming of age, just so I could have you finally watch this movie. Cause I really liked it so much. So, Well, the movie is the way, way back from yes. 2013. 
Um, it's directed by two people that are in the movie, including Jim Rash, the yes. dean from Community, yeah. who plays a really slightly creepy uh, water park attendant yes. in this movie. But he's very good. Um, anyway, anyway, before we get into more of a discussion on the way way back, Janine, and go into all the reasons why you thought the lead character was me, and it would probably be really insulting to me to find <laughs> out these things. So I'm going to be having real, really a lot of fun, I think, with uh, this episode today. It is Patreon shout out day, Janine. It is my favorite. So what do we do? We give a shout out to our amazing It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons on an episode of one of the shows uh, each week. And today is the day to do that. Today is certainly the day. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash It's a Wonderful One. If you are feeling particularly generous and would like to go and support us over there, we have a whole bunch of fun stuff. You have your artworks. You have your live streams, your bonus content, your polls, um, your custom logos at a certain tier. whole bunch of fun stuff that we are certainly getting more back into the swing of as well now after yes. a month or so of crazy life situations. Yes. Because crazy life situations do happen sometimes. As you will see in the way, way back. But thank you, first of all, to Maxwell Haddad. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you to Abby Friel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to Janine's brother, Justin, the 90s comics box. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Adelaide. Thank you, Tina Farrow. Thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you, Megan McCurley, Dr. Megs. Thank you to Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Finobi Steve. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fees. Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you to Delisha Butler. Thank you, GG. Thank you, of course, to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you to our amazing friends, Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. And thank you to Billy Pollahan. Janine, speaking of Mr. Pollahan. <laughs> yes. We have a voice message as well that we wanted to play before we get into the uh, oh. media. It's been ages. Yes, it's been a minute. A nice voice, message. <laughs> voice messages are a thing you can send in on Anchor. Um, we do always have a link in the description of the shows, actually, to... to send them in or at least we should have that in there it should yes. be in there um i haven't changed the format of the description so i'm sure it will be in there but let's hear from billy let's hear what what billy has to say in his latest voice message yeah right. yes hello morgan and janine so it's been a while it's your boy <laughs> Billy Pollahan doing his best Morgan impression. I told that you were doing coming of age movies. I like the nice coming of age movie. I do hope that you do Eighth Braid, and I know you've done Heathers, but I I just wanted to say hi. 
and that you can watch the main show <laughs> Machine Mondays and oh Christ I forgot the last one. Oh wait I haven't because it is Morgan Hansen <laughs> is the thing that you are listening to right now and have a good day. Right well then. <laughs> Who's talking I mean, now? Is it the same person? Yes, I, I, I think so. Um, so when I got to actually finally meet Billy for the first time at uh, our, our lovely friend's wedding in Texas, um, he, Billy spent most of the weekend doing a Morgan impression. And it he has since... You know, he wouldn't have been allowed to do that if I if was you were there actually I was there. supposed to be there. Yes. Um... So in your stead, he was constantly doing this impression of you and it has actually evolved and improved. And I think that is the best I've ever heard the impression. Um, I, I, you know, I got slightly confused. I thought you, maybe you called in and just pretended to be Billy because. Don't be so, <laughs> it wasn't that good though, was it? I mean, okay, Billy, well done. It's that it's better than I heard you do it the last time, to be fair. <laughs> You've got some of the vowels nailed down now. The way I say bought was pretty good because yeah. I say that quite a lot. Yes. And coming, you've actually got the hard O, which yeah. is something that, you know, you may struggle with. Um, sometimes American people struggle with the hard O sound because it's very flat and sudden yeah. for a vowel. And you don't like flat, sudden vowels, do you, Janine? You like no, you prefer no. you prefer round, flowery vowels like yes, "oh" and things like that. Yes. Well done, Billy. Thank you for calling in. Yes, thank you, that Billy. Fun. That was wonderful. <laughs> uh, we won't be doing eighth grade, however, on the coming of age series because Morgan has, of course, seen eighth grade. Yes, a but we may movie that it is. we may discuss it. It is on our Patreon poll. Uh, we do, do a bonus every month, bonus episode of a show for just our patrons. Um, and there's a poll up of other coming of age films and whatever wins that poll, we will do a fun little bonus uh, short podcast episode exclusively for the It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons. And eighth grade is on that poll. So, okay, it may win. It may very well win. Well, let's get on and talk about the way, way back then. Janine, let's start off where we let's start off where we left off. Steve Carell is a villain. Yes. Because the most dramatic performance I had seen in Steve Carell's career up to this point would be Little Miss Sunshine. Where him and Tony Collette actually played brother and sister. <laughs> yes, in this movie they are a married couple. They are just dating. They are well just oh, I thought dating. they were married. I do apologize. No. I thought I thought there was a stepdad situation as opposed no. to a uh, new boyfriend, right? Well, yeah. Morgan's already confused. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what this show should be called, really, isn't it? It's not Morgan. Morgan hasn't seen it. Morgan gets confused about the most simple. Morgan of plot doesn't details. understand. Yeah, it's Morgan fine. doesn't understand. <laughs> Please help Morgan severely. Is yeah. what we should, is what it should be called. Well, this is why I'm here. Um, yes. But, so, a uh, uh, long-term boyfriend situation we're yes we're dealing with. But I always really liked, you know, I always really liked Steve Carell's performance in Little Miss Sunshine because it showed his range. That we now obviously he has done more movies that are 
he has been allowed to show that he's actually a very competent dramatic actor as well as being obviously a very funny one in his career he he did it all in that movie so yeah to kind of see him be this very smug um you know i think last week we talked we had a similar kind of character in school ties with the french teacher who yeah just felt the unnecessary need to flaunt some type of power he felt he had over a very nervous and awkward uh, student just just for the pleasure of you know feeling that power yeah. um and in a similar vein he kind of does that to duncan um he kind of puts him in situations where he can make duncan look incompetent um because he gets some sense of joy out of that i guess um so we open it's a weird film. a weird mentality to have yeah I think, a weird dynamic you. he's trying to have with him um, and he always kind of does these things very subtly, you know, either way. Yes, when Duncan's mother is not around mm. or in a way where she wouldn't, you know, outright see it in a negative way. But yeah. really, you know, we're watching it and we see he's purposefully really just trying to get at Duncan. Um, the so one that movie... got me the most was forcing him to wear a horrendously large life jacket on a boating trip. Yes, when, when no one else, else had did. to. Yes, just to embarrass him and make him look silly. So because there was the, all the there's all the hot 14-year-old girls there for Duncan to try and get it on with. I don't know what 14-year-olds get up to anymore. <laughs> Although I was closer to the age of 14 in in 2013 than I am now, so yes. Um so we do actually open in a moment um, that kind of really just sets up this dynamic and where kind of Duncan's head is at uh, as we get into this film and this story. Um, they're A driving very sad the car. kid. Yeah, and, you know, we see Duncan's mom is asleep. And, you know, uh, Steve Carell just kind of randomly asks Duncan, you know, how do you see yourself? Like, if on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate yourself? And Duncan is in the back of the car, Steve Carell's obviously driving and he's already kind of berating him because he's trying to talk to him, you know, and he can't hear Duncan. So he's already kind of berating Duncan for speaking up and telling him to talk louder and he can't hear him and all of these things and already just kind of making Duncan feel uncomfortable anyway. Then to ask him a question, a question of somebody of that age, where, what do you, you know, how do you see yourself? How would you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10? There is not a single 14 year old boy of reasonable sound and mind who thinks highly of themselves, Janine. Yes. And he knows this. He was a 14 year old boy. So he knows this. And Duncan, you know, not so very confidently, at least kind of tries to give himself credit enough to give himself over half and says he thinks he might be a six and even a, at that a solid point number to give yes and at this point he doesn't even sound very confident giving that number but because he's forced into the situation to have to answer this question um he answers it a six and steve carell's character trent 
you know, such yeah. a douchey name. <laughs> Apologies to any Trents, but yes, there are but certain he, names, yeah, aren't there? there but are. just have that, you know, like I know some lovely Karens, but Karen has... So do I. Know, <laughs> so right? do I. But Karen just seems to fit that type of, you know. So yes, sorry to any Trents out there, but I feel like they gave him a name that's low-key kind of douchey sounding name. They but did. yes. <laughs> um, and Trent doesn't accept this and tells him, well, you know what? I don't think you're a six. I think that's a little too generous. I think you're a three. And you want to know why I think you're a three is because you don't put yourself out there. You're just too quiet. You don't have any friends. Like you're obviously in this awkward place. You're going through a situation where, you know, even, you know, your parents have separated. Um, so that's something you're kind of dealing with. Yeah. There are a lot of things that you're kind of going through and you know having to deal with um so you know you're gonna maybe be a little bit awkward at that age so to have that be the reason that he's going to rate him a three out of ten when he's already probably feeling a lot of negative things about himself not like enough to not even give himself higher than a six and you're going to take that down even farther to a three. Like, why would you say that to somebody? Like, Because basically just... this opening scene is written to make us all fully aware that Steve Carell is not supposed to be what we're used to in Steve Carell in this movie. Yes. That's basically what this opening scene is for. Oh, Steve, oh, a movie with Steve Carell. Let's go and watch it. This is going to be fun. Oh, God, no, wait 30 seconds in. This is what we're in for. It's very yes. clever opening. Yes. To it's just a very, very this dynamic opening. of, you know, Duncan being awkward and what ultimately is contributing and perpetuating this awkwardness that he feels. Um, yes. Is because he has somebody in his life who talks to him this way, who puts yeah. him down in this way. But they're putting him down in this way that they think is okay because they're saying it in a nice voice and they're acting like this is some kind of helpful, tough love advice. But really it's you just kind of asserting some sort of shitty dominance over somebody. It's the worst kind of way to be. If you're going to be, yeah. if you're going to be horrible, at least be obvious about it. Yeah. But, you know? he, but what makes it worse is that he's trying to do it under this guise of being like a good guy, exactly. especially to, trying to impress Duncan's mom who he's dating. Um, so yeah, exactly. that's what kind of makes it worse. If you're an asshole, just be an asshole. Admit you're an asshole. But um, at least have I at think... least have the honesty. At least be honest with yourself. Yes, I you think know? that's why when you know in movies when you have that protagonist who's kind of an asshole and they're honest about it, you kind of do like them. You appreciate yeah. their honesty. But with Trent here, he is totally trying Painfully to put on this guise and putting on this show of, you know, trying to be tough love and trying to be helpful and just giving him some, some advice and being trying to be this supportive male figure when really it's just him, you know, making this power play over this young kid. And this is his character throughout the entire movie. He does not yes. change. It just kind of, it escalates to a certain extent where he's utterly irredeemable as far as the movie is concerned yeah but this, this character type does not change at all no in the movie there's, there's it, not it's one just moment scene after scene with him having playing these weird power games with duncan 
Yes. And like, even you see other characters, like his daughter is on this trip as well. So Trent's like yeah, so teenage going daughter. On a, this, this is what's happened. They've gone on a trip. It's a, a holiday vacation situation to some sort of is like it, is, beach, is it a, some like a like, a small, like like a beach town. So like you yeah. can you have your rental homes or like you know your beach house, and it's like a small town uh, where you can go and you know the plot's cat. not massively relevant. No, so it's just like you know they're going to Trent's beach house for the summer to, to yes. spend some time. Trent and his teenage daughter, and Trent's teenage daughter is totally like, oh my gosh, like. Oh, you're such a loser, Duncan. I don't need to hang out with you. I don't want to like she's very rude to Duncan, just as like a, good a snobby, popular, like, oh my gosh, teenage girl. Um, so she <laughs> yeah, so she herself her. is kind of very rude to Duncan in her own right. Um, and just kind of standoffish, never wants to be around, wants to do her own snobby little thing. But even at a certain point, we see her kind of see the situation that's going on and tries to be helpful. Um yeah. You know, there's she, a point she, in the movie she where redeems herself. Yes, there's a point in the film where Trent and uh, Pam, uh, Duncan's mother, Tony Collette, have a fight, and Trent just takes off for the whole day and doesn't return. Um, Pam makes dinner for the kids, and they sit down and have dinner. Obviously, she sees that you know Trent has not been treating Pam the greatest. So then, at, after dinner, she like takes over and like lets Pam have a moment and takes over like doing the dishes for her. So we do see like characters who have had kind of this shitty attitude towards Pam and Duncan kind of redeem themselves in a way. But Trent never really doesn't. No, change. He just gets himself. gets worse. It, it, gets yes, worse. potentially. It's, it is very good. It is very good that they were able to actually make Steve Carell. I mean, from Steve Carell's point of as well, obviously as an actor, it's just very good how they were ma- able to make someone as genuinely likable as Steve Carell so very unlikable. Yes, and I do um, mean so, so, so very unlikable in all aspects. Um, yeah, it's yeah. although. Frequently saying Pam a lot in this movie, which obviously only means one <laughs> thing when we're talking about yeah, Steve, Steve Carell saying so Pam. Does, yes, they could have made her name something else, but um, to you know, it, it's separate just bit... from the office references. But um, uh, yeah, like I really loved this opening scene, this setup of this kind of power game. And oh yeah, it's great between Trent and Duncan, and how that kind of contributes to duncan's kind of journey going forward so this was a really great setup to that dynamic and kind of yeah. what we're in for uh with steve carell's character and all of that the whole movie is obviously obviously from duncan's perspective his his point of view it's not the same kind of male coming of age movie as we were talking about last week though is it where you know last week everybody was quite insecure in their masculinity and trying yeah. to one-up each other and some people obviously in the end were redeemed themselves matt damon stays a little bit of a racist and brendan frazier learns to you know to to fully accept who he is he doesn't have to hide himself for anybody yeah and he shouldn't have to do that um this movie has that last element quite a lot but it doesn't really have any insecurity from the protagonist's point or from the you know the the 
teenager's point. Yeah. I don't feel like Duncan's an insecure person in terms of he's not trying to assert himself over anybody, really. He's just mentally drained. Yeah, like he's gone through this stuff. You know, he wants to spend the summer with his dad. His mom's not really giving him answers as to why that can't happen. And then yeah. the one male figure that's in his life is constantly playing this power game with him and one up him when he's not even playing that game. Yeah. Um, he's just, yeah. He's just being kicked down, kicked down and kicked down. Yeah. So that's kind of what it feels like more than him. He needs being the release. Yes. And Which is what this be- is about. This is freeing yourself. This is, this yes. is a movie about releasing he yourself. To be, he needs to feel seen and heard and understood. And he's not really getting that. Um, well, he does get that though, Janine. He does get that. Nice and quickly, actually. Yes. To a point. Uh, so when we do arrive at the beach house, we meet uh, the next door neighbors, uh, Alice and Janney. And... Who is just the best and the most <laughs> hilarious person in absolutely everything. Oh, my God, Janine. Alice and Janney. Kate... <laughs> I hated Steve Carell berating Duncan, obviously, all the time. But, oh, my God, if Alice and Janney berating her son with a lazy eye wasn't the most hilarious <laughs> thing ever yes. constantly it's like please wear the eye patch nobody can it's tell like, no. where you're looking <laughs> am i supposed to i'm not playing these games anymore peter nobody yes. can tell where you're looking people are afraid of yeah, you they're wear the eye patch. yeah and he's like you're the worst mom ever <laughs> like, um so we meet her son her son peter and her daughter played by Anna Sophia Robb. Um, yes. And they kind of have their own weird fi- family dynamic where I, I, they kind of give you the idea that the her husband left her because he was gay. Um, yes. But he seems to still have a good relationship with his kids. Um, so she kind of does understand the broken family dynamic a little bit. And so I think that's maybe something her and Duncan kind of bond over. She meets. Yeah, sympathetic to him. Yes. Um, so she kind of, her and Duncan kind of do gravitate towards each other. But then she kind of also has her own kind of awkward teen issues where she likes to read and she's more thoughtful and wants to have like, you know, conversations of substance. But um, Trent's daughter, she's very vapid and kind of vain and kind of the popular girl. And she just drags her around with her. Um, and says, oh, we're going swimming. Come on, let's go swimming. And she's just like, um, okay, sure. Even <laughs> though she kind of would rather just lay on the beach and read her book. So she kind of just is a joiner just for the fact of she, you know, doesn't really fully have her own identity. So she is also kind of in an awkward teen phase. Like she seems a little bit more confident with herself than Duncan. Yes. But you, we also do see glimmers of her character as well, kind of just going with the crowd because... She doesn't really know what else to do. We all have to find our identity, though. That's mainly what every coming-of-age movie has to a point, is about finding your own self-identity. Yeah. It just usually comes about in... Well, it could come about in in any such variety of ways. Obviously, in this movie, it is mainly about trying to feel more free trying to learn what it means to actually have um uh, almost a positive certainly from duncan's point of view a positive male figure in your life yeah um 
that he hasn't seemed to have, or you know, he hasn't seemed to have, yes, in his in, in his past. Because we don't know that much about his dad, and we're not told that much about his dad. But I can only I can only assume that providing Duncan is the way he is, that there hasn't it, it, it may have not been as positive as it could have been. Yes, growing but there, up, there are situations where he says he wants to, you know, go with his dad. He wants there to are, spend the there are. with his dad. But, but um, I think it, that may just simply be the fact that he feels he needs a male role model and he 100% does not have that in Steve Carell. So who's the only other male quote father figure he's had is his literal father who yes we don't know much about so I'm thinking that might be the reason that his mind goes to that. Yeah. Because he's the only one he actually the only other one he actually knows. Yes. You know? Um yeah, so I think that definitely informs what he's kind of looking for. Um, so yeah, then we just kind of get a series of situations where Duncan is constantly kind of embarrassed or, you know, this power game with Trent is happening. Like, um, they first kind of get into the house and, you know, Steve Crow is bossing him around and telling him, you know, you need to help out, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it just looks like he's telling him to help. But really, he's just kind of focusing on him meanwhile he lets his daughter like sneak away with a couple beers and go to the beach with her friends um you know he duncan is sitting there stuck with all the grown-ups and he you know just is awkward and uncomfortable his mom lets him go and then steve cross is stopping tell him we clean up after ourselves here we take our plates only for the next night for them to all just run off and leave all their plates um you know we leave notes around here only for Trent to go off and not leave a note. Um, you know, so that, all of that these weird board game situation as well. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable as well. Um, so, you know, like you said, with the life fest, they all go on their friends, Kip and uh, Amanda Pete's character. I can't remember her name. In the I film. don't remember her um, name, but it's yes. Rob Cordry, isn't it? And, yes. And Amanda Pete. Yes. You Joan. know me with characters names. Jane. Yeah. So Joan and Kip, they're a married couple who are friends with Trent, you know, because he obviously has gone to this this beach house in this town like yes. every summer. So like, yes. yes, they all kind of know each other. So uh, Pam, Tony Collette, and Duncan are new um, to this situation. Um, yeah, the so they do. Yes, yeah, so they circle. do go on Kip. They do go on Kip and Joan's boat, and you know, Trent because he can't swim. Trent forces him to wear this life vest when no one else has to wear a life vest. So Duncan is super embarrassed. You know, he asks his mom, why do I have to wear this? And she decides kind of with Trent. So there are a lot of situations where she tries to talk him down from his frustrations with Trent, not really hearing him and just kind of her seeing that, oh, Trent's just trying to help. You know, he's just worried about you. You know, she Dribble. is blinded. She is blinded by the the facade of Trent just being that good, helpful guy when it's really Trent just really, you know, asserting some kind of dominance over him. And then there is even moments where you see Trent kind of get jealous when um, Pam is giving too much attention to Duncan, her own son. Yeah. So when we first meet Joan and Kip, they come over and they're playing music and dancing and Joan grabs Duncan and starts dancing with him. Then Pam starts dancing with him too. 
Duncan is completely embarrassed, but you know, they're trying to include Duncan and have fun with him. And then uh, Trent gets up and turns off the music because he doesn't like that. The attentions on Duncan. Um, it's just a, it's a incredibly frustrating thing to watch. Yes. Is every, at every turn. In this he's movie. just trying to find some reason to pick at Duncan. Uh, earlier in the movie, we saw Duncan on top of Trent's car singing some music and that's kind of when he has a um a moment with Susanna. She hears yes, him singing very sweet. loudly with his yes. headphones. She comes over and talks to him. He gets off the car. As soon as he gets off the car, we see there's no dent on the car. The car looks fine. But obviously maybe Trent through the window saw Duncan on top of the car and finds some random way reason to bring it up and say, oh were you on top of my car? And Duncan is like, oh no. And he's like, well, there's a big dent. I had a, it popped out just fine, but there was a big dent on it. I just wanted you to know. Like, yeah. Why was that necessary? You know? Because he's the worst person. Yeah. So, you know, we do get this barrage of Duncan just constantly, constantly getting picked on and, you know, I not being hurt. To, to Liam James as well, who plays Duncan. Yeah. Because he's like. It takes, and I, I know it can seem quite natural, but I think once you have gotten over that certain period in your life, because obviously Liam James isn't 14 years old playing this character. He, he's maybe 17 when he's playing in this movie, I, I, I would guess. Yeah. I would guess uh, uh, something like that. So by this point, he's gotten over in his real life. Presumably, he has gotten over the awkward teenage phase that he is portraying. So I actually think it's really quite uh, impressive that he's able to just hunch his shoulders a little bit and just mope around, <laughs> but not in a kind of... Oh, I'm so miserable kind yeah, of way. But just in it's an awkward just in way. A, I don't want to be seen. Oh my God, everything inside hurts. Please don't look at me. I'm ashamed all the time situation. But I mean, you talk about, you mentioned how Duncan never didn't really seem insecure. It was more kind of an awkward thing. And like, I, you did see that in moments where he wasn't really insecure. If Trent kind of came at him, he did try to maybe defend himself a little or try yeah. to call out Trent on something. And then Trent would just use that authority of, you know, don't talk to me like that. You know, he's not, we respect he's not each insecure. other in this he just house. Isn't, he just isn't fully heard matured yet. Is he? He's, he's not yeah. insecure. He just is not like physically and mentally a man yet. Like the guys in, uh, the, the guys school in ties. school ties were were eighteen years old. These guys yes. weren't they? They they are men at this point. They yeah, are so we young do... men, but they are teenagers. But they are full fully formed men at this point, yes. which is why we get that uh, that kind of combative kind of... dynamic. But exactly. So we do see moments of of Duncan feeling confident enough to call out Trent, or you know, yes. say something back to him. But because he's just a kid, like, he is not heard. Um, he tries to kind of 
give hints to his mom about things happening and she kind of just doesn't hear it and just kind of takes Trent's side like, oh, he's just trying to help you. Um, yeah. So at a certain point, Duncan kind of just goes exploring and he finds himself at this pizza place and um, he meets uh, Sam Rockwell's character who is playing Pac-Man and he kind of says, hey, you know, they kind of start talking about Pac-Man and he tells them, oh, I got to go. Please try to finish the game on my quarter. And like he makes kind of yeah. some funny quips and he's really kind of likable right off the bat. Um, and so Duncan kind of sees this guy as like, he's kind of a cool guy. Like he's really intrigued by him. Um, and he kind of sees everyone there. They work at this water park nearby Water Whiz. Which is a weird um, name for a water park. <laughs> yes. I think. Water well, Whiz. It's Wiz with two Zs. Um, that is true. <laughs> I still think it's a weird name for a water park. So yeah, he has this chance encounter with Sam Rockwell, who's kind of being really funny and just very cool and, um, you know, being profound that... without trying to be profound. And this is um, Sam Rockwell. This is this is the severe range of Sam Rockwell on show again. Because he yes. can play the most detestable characters himself. But he can also play the most enduringly likable and even in his some of his mainstream villains i.e iron man 2 yes he's a villain but everybody seems to like him despite the fact he's shown up once in the whole yeah MCU, like we're like where's justin hammer ago. we love him um so yeah he definitely leaves an impression in a short amount of time on duncan so then duncan kind of seeks out this water park and he finds himself there. Sam Rockwell remembers him. They kind of get to know each other. And uh, somehow he works his way into, like, getting a job there. Um, yeah. So much job at the Walter Park. Yes. So there's uh, his first day. He's kind of introducing him to everybody in, in the park and, you know, quipping. And, you know, Duncan's just really liking him. And... Um, a situation arises where a bunch of kids have some cardboard out and they're break dancing in the park and they need to break it up. So he takes Duncan over there and, and kind of pushes Duncan into handling the situation. So Duncan really kind of nervously goes in there and says, Oh, I have to take your cardboard away. And they're like, no, you're not going to take our cardboard. You got to do some moves for us first. And then you can take the cardboard. So then they kind of force him into dancing. And the whole scene is just really cute of him trying to do the it robot is. and, you know, them really encouraging him. And then they like stand him up and like turn him on his head. And it's a really fun scene where, you know, Duncan is feeling appreciated. He's a center of attention this time, but now in a positive way. Like because he doesn't know how to dance. Needed. Yeah. He doesn't know how to dance, but he tries and everyone appreciates that he even tries and they cheer him on and they celebrate him. They don't make fun of him. Um, and he's so living in two worlds. Yes, in this movie. He is seen, he is appreciated. You know, he's feels he's, feels welcomed um and then from this day on everyone starts calling him pop and lock uh so he, he's got his fun little nickname he starts working at the park every day so he kind of sneaks away especially when like trend is coming at him or yeah. something he sneaks away he goes to the water park he works his little day we get this fun little montage of him working at the park um as soon as he and... crosses over that line he's the person he wants to be 
Yes, he really bonds with Sam Rockwell and the other people that work at the park. Maya Rudolph, she works there as well. I always love Maya Rudolph. She's so funny. She's so yes. charismatic. <laughs> and, you know, there is an underlying kind of romance situation between her and Sam Rockwell. It seems like, you know, they do like each other. There's always a looming romance, but Sam Rockwell is very immature. Like, he seems like he just kind of inherited this park and he hasn't really grown up. He's kind of this big man child. Um, so he is not as responsible as he should be. So then Maya Rudolph ends up kind of having to be this mom figure, this one who kind of takes charge and handles business. And she kind of hates being that person. And she sees him as him kind of making her have to be that person. So that's why it could never really work romantically with them. So we do get this yeah. whole kind of underlying situation with Sam Rockwell's character where while he's super likable and great and he's a good guy and he really um, supports Duncan, he also himself has issues with growing up and you yeah. know, being a mature person and being a responsible person. Um, so he kind of has his own um, awkward issues that he is dealing with himself. Even the very nature of working at a water park seems like something one should not be doing over the age of 25. Yeah. You know, so you get that right from there. We are kind of bombarded um, by this idea that Sam Rockwell is immature throughout this movie, but also this fact of Sam Rockwell and his boyish charm and, 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 and positivity and kind of enduring sense of fun is such a diversion from what Duncan has been used to with Steve Carell that this is exactly the kind of atmosphere Duncan needs at this moment in his life. Can't last yeah. forever. Yeah. Because similar reason with, you know, Sam Rockwell's romance with Maya Rudolph can't last forever because of the simple type of person we are. Yeah. But we can last for short term. We can be phenomenal in the short term. We can be life changing in the short term and make that can't impact. last forever yes. make that impact make that impact that you need at that perfect time in your life um love coming of age movies last. like this yeah i adore coming of age movies like this because those things are very very real aren't they not not everything that happens when you're 14 15 years old yeah but you do have defining forever. moments yeah but you have, exactly. do have these defining moments that ultimately are shaping you at a time that you need that, that you need it that you need yes it. um so yeah duncan finds an outlet at the water park he makes friends he's seen he's appreciated um anna sophia rob's character susanna she ends up following him one day over there and uh seeing what he does and even like earlier on that she like kind of always saw him sneaking away and she encouraged him like you know keep that for yourself like have yeah. this one thing just for you and then when she kind of follows him and he's like, what happened to, you know, having this just for you? She's like, I, I held out as long as I could. I had to see where you were going every day. And, you know, Sam Rockwell kind of teasing him about, you know, ooh, talking to a girl and, um, you know, her spending the whole day with them and them talking and having really good conversation. And, you know, again, a situation where he needs to be seen, he needs to be heard. And he might have something of value to say, but nobody ever really wants to hear him out. Um, 
so him just getting these outlets for things that he never had before him finally being seen by somebody um that's huge for him it is huge for him and it's it's huge for many many teenage boys obviously need that kind of thing it's a monumentally relatable aspect of of coming of age movies is the idea of finally feeling like you've been seen by somebody that like we said it doesn't have to be forever it can be a very very short-term thing but that impact is life-changing and can last a lifetime and that's that's the important thing that's the important takeaway i'm just still interested as to know why you thought i was like duncan Um, I mean, when I first met you, you were very kind of quiet and, you know, doing the very hunched shoulders to yourself type thing. And it was obvious I'm doing it that, right now. Yes. I Nobody mean, it's obvious it. that you do want it to be a part of something. You do want to be involved. Um, but you... You'll be talking have... in the present tense now. If I don't grow no, up from no, this No, no, no. I'm talking about when I first <laughs> met you. <laughs> um, you know, you do want to be involved. You do want to be a part of something. But you don't 100% have that self-worth that you should be allowed to be a part of something um, because of kind of surrounding factors. Um, But ultimately, when you do kind of meet people who want to listen to you, who want to hear you, who want to get to know you, who um, seem like they care and they value you, then you kind of open up and you can be your true self around them because you do feel seen and heard. And so, yeah, I I definitely got that from first meeting you. You were very much Duncan kind of, you know, seemingly having things to say and things you wanted to do and people you wanted to be around, but didn't 100% have the confidence to put yourself out there in that way. Um, Perhaps because of surrounding things around you in your environment that didn't let you feel that way. But it wasn't until you got around people who seemed to want to hear you and want to be around you and show that to you that you were able to kind of open up in that way and be your true, honest self. Um, okay, well, that, that's that's yes. fair. I mean, I was obviously quite a bit older than Duncan. And you were, but just I, you got you had that very shy kind of standoffish sensibility of just like, I don't know if anybody wants to hear what I have to say. So I'm just going to kind of stand over here. You know, until I figure that out. <laughs> you know, Janine, that's fair enough. <laughs> it's fair and enough. I, I can imagine that that's probably how you were at 14, 15. Yeah. 16, perhaps. So, yeah. you know. Am I, like, am I too far off with that no, assessment? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I understand that now. Yes. I understand that now. So no negative that... comparison to Duncan. No. All just the, the you know the the self-doubt in in do people really even want to hear what i have to say i have things i want to say and things i want to share but do is it worth people hearing do i feel like i'm worthy of putting myself out there and duncan is in kind of that same place does yes he, he is. no one has really made him feel worthy of putting himself out there until he kind until of meets Sam the water whiz friends yes, yes. Um, so, I, well, you know. I appreciate that. I appreciate, <laughs> and I appreciate the fact that that was a major reason why you wanted to show me this movie and do this yeah. whole series that we're on. On Morgan hasn't seen, 
Um, and it's also obviously the reason why I don't watch coming of age movies of this kind too much <laughs> because it's facing my own severe reality or yes, well, at least past reality that yeah. isn't, to be honest, there anymore, which I'm thankful about. Yes. But it's still, uh, it's, it's re revisiting that, isn't it? Yes. Well, which... we are ending the series with the girliest of girls. Coming oh god so you're safe after this i'm so excited um, so uh you know duncan is kind of coming out of his shell and really kind of feeling better about himself and more confident um and then he kind of returns home to just uh uncomfortable situations of trent still playing these games with him and there's a certain moment where he does kind of see and you know if you watch you see joan amanda pete's character kind of have these weird moments anytime you know Trent and Pam are talking about how they met and their story or they're you know very touch each other you know hold hands or hug or Trent yeah. lovingly looks at Pam or something Joan always kind of makes a weird face um or just you know closes in on herself or just looks away or something um so we later learn you know uh Duncan does kind of come upon seeing Trent and Joan kind of hiding behind the house talking about, you know, she's all over him and trying to kiss on him. And she's like, oh, so, you know, every other summer's fine, but not this summer. And kind of her expressing jealousy towards Pam and implying that they've kind of hooked up every summer. But now, you know, she's cheated on her husband, Kip, every summer with Trent. Um, but now that he's with Pam, someone he really likes she's jealous and so he kind of sees this happening that oh great you know i already thought this dude was a piece of shit and now i know he's like cheating on my mom yes because yeah um, he's he is actually yes cheating on on tony collette yes so we do see you know duncan does catch him kind of like making out with joan behind the house and trent has like low-key you know, kind of lazily trying to push her away from him, but he's still very yeah. much seeming to be into it. So Duncan sees this, so he kind of already knows what's going on. So he's already just like pissed. Um, and I think Pam is starting to kind of catch on to things as well. Um, she sees, you know, he's been gone a long time and he comes back, him and Jones come back kind of the same time. And so she kind of picks up on things. So that kind of builds up some tension. So there's a rainy day. Duncan can't go to the water park. So they're kind of all stuck inside. Um, Trent wants to go see a movie, but Pam is like, you know, I don't really, let's just stay in. I want to hang out with you. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I thought, you know, we were going to go meet up with Joan and Kip and see a movie and make a day of it. And she's like, well, I really don't want to hang out with Joan and Kip today. So, you know, obviously she's kind of starting to suspect or yeah. feel something. But she's saying, I want to hang out with all of you. So they decide to play a game on a rainy day. They pick Candyland. It's all going well until Trent gets kind of all stickler with the rules and says, oh, no, you can't do that, Duncan. You're playing it wrong. Look at the instructions. It says this and this and this. And she's like, I don't see what the big deal is. As and we all like, know, Janine, the best type of people are the people that are sticklers for the rules in a children's board game. Yes. Um, moving on. Uh, <laughs> you, for example. Me, for example. Um, yes, getting very... Um, What's the free parking space for on a Monopoly board, Janine? 
it is if you land on free parking, you get all of the tax money in the middle of the board. Okay, so you play that same thing. I, I thought yes. you'd have been more of the uh, traditional rules, which is free parking is literally just a free spot. No, we put any anytime you have to pay a tax or a fee or that's, something. That, that's all. Put that in I the middle, play, so there you and go. when you land, oh, on you put parking, it in the middle. You put it all in the middle, and then when you land on free parking, you get all of the money in the middle. Oh, see, I put it underneath free parking. Oh, yeah, we just it's put the it same principle. Yes, um, but so yeah, like I am a stickler to the rules we've created for our Monopoly game. Are you uh, telling me you are Trent, Janine? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Secretly. Slightly, slightly. Um, um, Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> um, just in, in, in when it comes to board games. When it comes to board games. But yes. it's just worse with Trent because he's like this with everything else. Um, so Duncan didn't go to the specific spot where he was supposed to go on the board and Trent kind of tries to call him out and go by the rules. And then this kind of brings up an underlying fight between Pam and Trent. So obviously it is not about Candyland. It's just about kind Certainly of... not about Candyland. Yes, it? it's about underlying tensions that have been there and now they're coming to the surface. This is what Tonika lets very good at all the time. She has the, the acting style of bottle it up, bottle it up, bottle it up and explode. Yes. So when he's kind of getting all stickler with the rules with Duncan about how he can't take this shortcut because he didn't land on the perfect colored space, you know, Tony Collette is trying to just be like, it's not a big deal. But he, Trent is like, well, we, well, fine. If we're not going to play by the rules, then I'm just going to go all over the board then. And like, she's like, fine, fine. We'll play by the rules. Like, and it's just, it's just this building tension just over Candyland, right? So then she's cooking soup. She gets to go check her soup and. She's like, Duncan, just, you know, roll for me. And he's like, no, it's your turn. You know, Trent is like, no, it's your turn. You have to play. You wanted to play this, so you need to roll when it's your turn. And she's like, oh, my God. So then it's more <laughs> building of Trent. Already she's, like, suspecting him being unfaithful. She's like, suspecting all of these things. And this just building for frustration of him just nitpicking her over this dumb little game. Um, so then she goes and takes her turn. And then the daughter, like, hesitantly says, oh, you're supposed to move two purple because uh, <laughs> she already sees like Pam is frustrated so then she comes back she moves and she's like oh and I landed on the shortcut so I'm gonna take the thing and she's like it's Candyland and she like gets really upset and she like storms off like crying like it's Candyland so obviously just some built up frustration yes. so then you know and Duncan you know he's feeling bad for his mom he kind of knows what this is about and the next day, you know, Trent's car is just gone. He's just not there all day. Um, so the same scene that I did mention, um, she ends up just making dinner for her and yeah. the kids. And the daughter ends up kind of, she kind yeah. of sees also, I think, maybe underlying what's going on. So she steps up and helps kind of clean up and lets Pam just She shows she actually has some sort of emotional Yeah, because to this point, we've depth. seen her be super vapid the whole time. So to see her kind of have yeah. a bit of emotion and kind of understanding of the situation, it was nice to see. So we, it's nice to see kind of growth from everyone except Trent. Um, so then Trent, he kind of does the abusive boyfriend thing, abusive husband thing, where he comes back and he apologizes profusely makes all of his excuses she's like where were you you know and then it's just kind of a hypocritical thing on top of that where we saw him earlier when duncan was out all night 
you know, because he didn't want to go back because Trent was harassing him all day. And so he doesn't come back until it's dark and everyone has gone to bed. And then Trent's waiting up for him and Trent berates him for not leaving a note and that your his mother was worried and all of these things. Yeah. Trent leaves all day, didn't leave a note. And um he comes back and Duncan hears him giving this lame apology to his mom. I was on Kip's boat all night. I just needed to get away. I'm so sorry. And then the next morning, she's fine. She's forgiven him. She's happy. And she's like, where was he? Oh, he was with Kip. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And so Duncan like was already kind of feeling like, okay, maybe this is the end of Trent. Maybe she's finally seeing him for who he is. But then the next morning, she just forgives him. So then it's like back on that train again. And he does kind of stand up to Trent. Well, he certainly, he certainly does at that big uh, party, whatever it seems to be. Yeah, so it's it's kind of getting to a boiling point, and, and Duncan is frustrated that his mom's not really doing anything about it. He sees his mom in the situation where she's getting just used and abused, and she's not doing anything about it. So, you know, Trent does come back. He tries to say good morning to Duncan. Duncan just ignores him, and he's like, hey, you know, that you can't ignore me, da 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 da, da. You know, you need to be more polite. And then Duncan's like, welcome home with like an attitude because he knows he was out all night. Um, so then, yeah, big dinner outside. Everybody's there at Joan and Kip's. And we hear Kip say, oh, oh no, the motor's been out on the boat for a week. So now yeah. we know for 100%. So we see Tony Collette 100% knows that um, Trent was not with Kip. Yes. His boat was broken. He lied to her. So then she kind of tries to excuse herself from the table. Also, we get this weird moment of Joan. You know, we see um, Tony Collette's character, Pam, wearing like a scarf on her hair, you know, yeah. a few times. And then at this party, now Joan is trying to wear her hair like Pam. Um, and yeah. also we do get I some mean, other moments where, you know, all of the adults are kind of acting like teenagers are like running off. They're smoking weed and things like that. And Duncan's mom like has promised, oh, come make a plate and come sit with me. And then when he goes to come make a plate and go sit with her, she runs off with all of the, the other grownups to go smoke weed or something like that. So it's not just Trent. There have been moments where Duncan's mom just has kind of been oblivious to what's kind of going on with him and there is, running off. And There is a sense of immaturity from the adults. Yes, in the movie, so I suppose, you know, she is kind of letting herself get influenced and wrapped up with, oh, my boyfriend, and you know, having yeah. someone in my life, and um, and Trent, like, I think loves having it that way, and ha loves having that dynamic of her kind of blowing off Duncan to go do things with him. Yeah, um, and I just love that it takes the protagonist of our coming of age movie to actually make everybody else the adults become more adults. mature themselves. Yes. Um, so yes, at this, at this big dinner at Joan and Kip's, you know, Pam realizes from hearing Cup say the boat is broken, that Trent was not with Kip. She goes to excuse herself and Duncan's like, really mom in front of everyone, you're not going to say anything. You know, what's going on here. You know, he's sleeping with her because at that point, Joan has pulled Trent up and is like dancing with him. Yeah. Um, so shouting it from the rooftop so yes. everybody can hear this so There's duncan does call out his mom frustrated with her that she is not saying anything she knows trent is cheating and she hasn't said anything. like just you know say something why would, are you doing this to yourself why are you letting him just do this and you're not telling him anything 
and she tries to stop Duncan, but he just keeps talking. And then he says he wants to be with his dad. And of course, this is where Trent feels like it's really great for him. Okay, this guy's going to call me out. I'm going to call him out. He's like, good luck with that kid. Your dad doesn't want you. And then he realizes his mom hasn't been telling him the truth with that either. Yeah. So then Duncan ultimately kind of, you know, runs off because you it's know, only one place he wants to go. Yes. He's now learning the truth of his dad, not wanting him. He's the truth of his mom, you know, just kind of putting up with this affair um, and all of it coming out and nobody really seemingly having his side in the situation. Um, so Susanna and a Sophia Robb's character does go follow him and she tries to just talk to him about normal things to get his mind off of it. Um, and ultimately he tries to kiss her and she kind of backs off a little bit. So then that's another just pile on this situation that's already making him yeah. feel not great. So he is kind of hiding underneath the patio when he hears another pitiful apology from Trent to Pam. No, I need to be better. We're in this together. You know, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You don't deserve this. And, you know, um, Peter, the, <laughs> um, <laughs> and Alice and Jenny's lazy eye kid. Lazy kid. Um, he's talking really loud and he's like, you know, um, Duncan's trying to make his getaway and Peter's like, if you don't take me with you, I'm going to scream. So then he ends up taking Peter with him to Waterways where they're having a going away party for um, Jim Rash. Uh, yeah. Lou, Jim Rash's character, Lewis, who, you know, is very weird and awkward and talk about how he has two dads and um, yeah. he wants to leave and pursue being a storm chaser and all of these weird things. It's very weird and awkward. Um, they're having a little going away party for him. So, you know, Duncan does go there and, you know, Sam Rockwell is obviously getting the sense that something is off, something is wrong. Um, but he says, okay, you just hang out for a little bit. And he ends up having a really fun night, you know, dancing, playing music, having water gun fights and just having yeah. the best time with people who actually care about him. Um, Again, and we see the two lives he completely changes once he steps over that water park yes line. yes so then he ends up crashing there and staying all night and then he ends up having this really great talk with sam rockwell and tells him you know it's just been hard at home you know my mom's boyfriend he told me i was a three like who says yeah. that to somebody and Sam Rockwell kind of shares some things like that with him as well. He's like, I think this is why, you know, I don't like rules and I don't like, you know, being stuck on a path because my father was the same way. You know, he made me feel the same way you do. And that's why, you know, it's it's been hard for me to kind of grow up because, you know, I've never wanted to be like him, you know. Yeah. And so he kind of encourages Duncan to forge his own path and, um, you know, telling him Trent talks to you like that because he just doesn't know you. Yeah. Um, so they have a great moment um, uh, where, you know, Duncan does kind of tell him how he's been feeling. And that's kind of the first time Duncan actually expresses that to somebody and someone is actually listening to him and hearing him. Um, so then Duncan and Peter do return in the morning and Peter with Alice and Jenny, she's like, where have you been? He's like, we'll talk about it when I get up. And she's like, what? Why are you talking to me like that? He's like, leave me alone, lady. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> are you talking to me like that. So Alice and Jenny and her dynamic with her kids is like the best. Alice and Jenny in general is it's so great. So, as this kind of nosy, like a loud mouth neighbor who wants to be all up in it, she's like great, and she's all she's like a likable person. She's not one of the annoying. Yes. 
Um, and so then she, when Duncan returns, he sees that everybody's packing up to leave. And he's like, what's going on? Why are we leaving? And she's like, we just got to go. We're leaving. Um, he's like, it's summer's not over. Like, he doesn't want to leave, obviously. All his water with his friends and all of that. Yeah. Um, and he's pissed off. And he's like, we're going with them. Like, after everything, Mom, really, we're going with them. Um, and she's just kind of resigned to staying with Steve Carell and just leaving with them. So they ultimately pack up the car. Um, Steph, Trent's daughter's pissed because, you know, that's ruining her summer too. And she, everybody's blaming Duncan and all of this. So they pack up the car, they're leaving, they're stopped for gas. And then Duncan sees the water park in the distance and he just decides to go. He breaks out of the car as they're getting gas and runs to the waterways. Um, and there was kind of this whole running thing where um, in the tube of one of the rides, no one has ever been able to pass another person in the tube. It's like this big kind of legend thing. And these two goofy regular kids who always go to the park tried to do it and they got stuck. They got um, horribly stuck. Like I actually yes. thought like gore was going to be involved in yes, this one scene. But they had to get this big kid to go through and like push them out. Um, so it's kind of this running legend that it's something everyone's always tried, but no one has ever been able to pass somebody in the tube. Um, so Duncan runs to the water park. He finds Sam Rockwell. He's like, we're leaving. I have to go, but come on, let's try this. I'm going to try to, you know, try to pass you on the tube. Yeah. So without no questions asked, Sam Rockwell, they do it. They grab the mats. Sam Rockwell big goes crowds. to the tube. Duncan goes right behind him. Every big crowd forms. He's like, oh, hey, um, Poppin' Luck's going to try to pass the, you know, Sam Rockwell in the tube, which I can't remember his name. Owen, Owen, he's gonna try to pass Owen in the tube, and so everyone, all these crowds form, everyone's getting excited. Um, then Pam the and same, Trent, at, yes, yes, at the same time, Tony Collette and Steve Carell yes, end up they, coming and, and, into and, the water park for the first time yes, in the they whole followed, movie. They follow Duncan to the water park, they're wondering what's going on, why is he there? They look at a picture, employee of the month, it's Duncan's picture. It says pop and lock. And they're like, what? <laughs> so they had no idea how Summer Duncan was working here. They see the crowd forming. And, uh, you know, everyone's watching the tube. And then we see Duncan come out before Owen. He passed Owen on the tube. Everyone's cheering. It's this great, big, epic moment. Um, you know, Duncan and Owen share this hug. It's great. They, you know, heroes of the day, whatever. He comes yeah. out and he finally Best meets friends. his mom. Yes. And he says, mom, this is my friend Owen. And she's like, nice to meet you. And Owen is just talking up Duncan saying, you know, you have a hell of a kid here. He's amazing. Um, and then here comes Trent. Okay, come on, let's go. And like, I loved, loved, loved this moment where Sam Rockwell just stands in front of Duncan, like so protective, stands in front of him. And, you know, Trent tries to reach for Duncan. Owen blocks and gets in the way so he can't grab yeah. him and he's like hi i'm i'm a friend of the three so then he makes it clear that he knows what trent said to him and so trent like has nothing to say so he's like i'll be in the car <laughs> and he like <laughs> so he asks his mom for a moment and you know he says his goodbyes to everybody and lewis this moment with lewis is my favorite <laughs> He says bye to Maya Rudolph. He says bye to everybody. And then you pan over and Jim Rash is supposed to have left and be gone. And he's like, bye, Lewis. And he's like, bye. And he's like, yes, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> and so then um, Duncan says bye again. And he's like, 
bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's hilarious. Um, so yeah, he does have this really great moment um, saying goodbye to everybody. And then he goes off with all of them. And she's neglected Duncan for something that's just not worth it with Trent. And she kind of realizes this and in kind of seeing her son break out of the situation to, you know, be more confident. And she's seeing him in a way she's never seen him before. um, That kind of gives her the confidence to kind of find her own way and forge her own path as well, which is kind of what Owen has been telling Duncan this whole time. Uh, So she's sitting in the front of the car Duncan's in the back of the car, and then in the, at the end, she kind of just leaves the front and runs to the back to sit with Duncan, and they sit together, and just kind of, you get this, they're in this together now situation, and that's kind of how it ends. Yeah, this final scene showing again that it takes the protagonist of our coming-of-age movie, who is supposed to be the one becoming more mature as a human being throughout the movie actually impart that maturity on his mother yeah or on his on on the adults in the movie as well it's that extra kind of level of um of growing up i suppose that this movie is trying to deal with i really really i really really did like the ending of it it was a very very sweet movie very very sweet movie yeah um just one of those kind of perfect with it being set on a summer vacation as well i think that really kind of adds to it because (laughs) summer vacation is that sort of mythical idea isn't it of yeah our lives can change on summer vacation when we are gonna happen yeah yeah when we are however old a lot so many coming of age movies are set on in in the summer out of school aren't they that's why because it's this mythical time when you're a kid or when you're a teenager where anything can happen and life's greatest moments happen you are defined by what happens in the middle of august on some random wednesday night yeah exactly when you're 16 um and that's very much what's going on in this uh in this movie I had a lot of fun with this movie. A lot of fun and a lot of introspection, which is the best kind of way when you come to coming-of-age movies. Although we have learned why, of course, Morgan doesn't watch too many male (laughs) coming-of-age movies. Yes, well, you definitely... likes the ones where he can't directly identify with what's going on. Not that I directly identified with what's going on in this movie. I've never been in such a parental situation. Yes, well, well, definitely won't have to worry about that next week, for sure. (laughs) No. What have we got coming up next week, Janine? Uh, We will be closing out our series with a double feature of My Girl and My Girl 2. Lovely stuff. <laughs> are these uh, are these peak Janine teen movie movies coming of age movies? I mean, definitely we're we're dealing with children, children. So um, children, children. I don't know really yes. anything about my girl. Really, okay. I don't think so. Okay. Unless I'm severely mistaking it with something else. Well, you will like the music. 
We're dealing with children, children? Yes, very young Macaulay Culkin. Oh. Yes. What are we what 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 is it then? What are we dealing with? I'm sorry. Um it's basically just a girl who, you know, her dad runs a funeral home, so she kind of has this weird upbringing and sees death in very weird ways. Her mother died giving birth to her, so she doesn't really have a female figure in her life, just been raised by her dad, her grandma living in this funeral home, and her best friend Thomas J played by Macaulay Culkin and just her kind of growing up without a female kind of figure and okay. and kind of trying to understand that um okay. you know being a woman and and growing up you know as a girl without that um okay. and just and just you know yeah seeing death and life in weird ways growing up in a funeral home um and also then the sequel she does kind of go on this trip to LA to kind of learn i think she has a school paper she has to write about someone they've never met and she's right. never met her mother. So she goes to LA to kind of figure out who her mother was and kind of make some discoveries about her mom going forward as she's kind of a little bit older in the sequel. So, right. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. Well, there we go. That yeah. is what we've got coming up next week on the Coming of Age series to round out the series, of course. Yes. On Morgan hasn't seen. Applause for the way, way back, though, Janine. A great oh, you liked movie. It. A really great movie. The most likable Sam Rockwell I have yes, particularly absolutely. ever seen, I think. I love so. him in this movie. He's great. That's very good. Morgan hasn't seen this show that we are on right now. Is not the only show we have on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed, though. We have Machine Mondays every Monday with you, Janine. Yes. Talking all your schmodown things. It's always a fun time there. We have the main show, It's a Wonderful podcast, every Friday I'm always there. Janine's there every other week, um, alternating with Nolan Dean, where we celebrate lovely older movies, show some love, discover new ones. It's always a fun time on there as well. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. You can find the shows, the feed, everywhere podcasts are found. That is Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and everywhere else. We have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. If you want to subscribe over there and do all your notifications for the fun stuff that we do on YouTube, uh, that is very much coming back into the fold right now. I have also already talked about the Patreon before, but you can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at just the purple dawn and all your wonderful stuff is where you can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram. And if you want to get any merch for any of our shows or check out any of my artwork, you can find that at my T Public shop at G9Design on tpublic.com. Well, there we go. I'm gonna try and suggest, I think. Well, I really liked your Steve Carell's daughter white girl voice that you did before. <laughs> so Let's do that one again, shall we? I guess. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye.